As we dive into part two of this look at Matthew 5, verse 3, Pastor David is showing us how different the world's philosophy is compared to the focus of someone who is living for Jesus. A powerful lesson is on the way, and here's Pastor David. There's a document uh, called the Humanist Manifesto, and it's signed by a bunch of people. Richard Dawkins and Oliver Stone, movie director, and uh, Eugenie Scott, who, who heads up the science, the National Science Center, and, and other famous people and so on. This is what it says as it begins, the Humanist Manifesto. It says this, humanism is a progressive philosophy of life that without supernaturalism affirms our ability and our responsibility to lead ethical lives of personal fulfillment that aspire to the greater good of humanity. Let me tell you what they're saying. Basically says that there's no God and that you have the ability to lead an ethical life that is personally fulfilling and that aspires to the greater good of humanity. Apparently they are not understanding the fact that we as humans living these ethical lives that we have the power to do have killed millions and millions and millions of people through war and crime and, and oppression. Maybe they don't understand that. Or maybe they don't understand the fact that words like ethical and the good of humanity have no real reasonable meaning without supernaturalism. In other words, words like morality and good and ethical only have real meaning if there's a God. Without a God, most philosophers would tell you everything is permissible. There is no right or wrong. Nevertheless, this is still a philosophy of many people. It relies on a couple of things. It relies on the idea that we know what is good and that we are able to do what is good and right on our own steam and that we're likely to do so. That we're likely to do so. It puts human beings where? In the place of God. It puts human beings in the place of God. It assumes human beings are self-sufficient. We run on our own power. We run on our own steam. We know what to do, and we can do it. Look, this is not new. It's not a new philosophy. It's a very old one. It's been around since the beginning. If you look at the philosophers thousands of years ago, Aristotle said, happiness belongs to the self-sufficient. Or Epicurus, self-sufficiency is the greatest of all wealth. And we have been buying this forever. For as long as human beings have existed in the garden, Eve was tempted. Why? Because she thought she could be like God. And Adam followed her in her sin, thinking they could be like God. That they would know what's right or wrong, that they could be like him. And, we've, and, and people have been trying to put themselves in God's place ever since. Ever since chapter 3 of Genesis. According to uh, William Nicholson, he says this, Self-sufficiency is the enemy of salvation. If you are self-sufficient, you have no need of God. If you have no need of God, you do not seek him. If you do not seek him, you will not find him. If we think we could be like God, if we think we don't need God, if we, if we think that, we won't seek him. And if we don't seek him, we won't find him. And thank God that he finds us. Because this is where every one of us has been. This is where every one of us wants to go. When we think we're self-sufficient, we are not poor in spirit. So many people who feel that they are successful, 
who feel like they've got it figured out, who feel like they're in control, think they don't need God. This world is full of them. This town is full of them. Full of people who are having success, right? They've got some money. Maybe the house is paid off. Kids are doing okay. You know, things are going pretty well. There's no major thing happening. And so when that's happening, they feel like, I don't need God. So they don't seek God. It's the way it is. They're proud in spirit, puffed up in spirit. They worship themselves and the power they think they have because of their so-called success. Because of the kind of success that the world says is good. Even Abraham Lincoln talked about the error of pride in self-sufficiency. This is what he said. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and persevering grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. That's who we've become as a culture. We think we've got it. People will tell you, they think Christianity is a crutch, right? They think it's, they think it's something we need to lean on to help us get through, right? It's something for weak people. People who need God are weak. They're not self-sufficient. And they're absolutely right in one way. In one way, those people are absolutely right. Jesus is for weak people. Jesus is for people who need him. The only place they get it wrong is they're too prideful to see that they need him. They're too prideful to see that all people need him. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Get it? Vine, branches. Got to have that in order. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, we can do nothing without abiding in him. Are you, are you cool with that? Do you believe that? You believe that you can do nothing without him? Because if you really believe that, you're ready to do some things. You're ready to do some things if you really believe you can't do anything without him. But if you don't believe that, you're a prideful person. You're going to find out the hard way that Jesus tells the truth. Everybody who thinks that they're a branch who on their own can stay healthy and produce fruit that's not attached to a vine is delusional. Self-sufficiency is not the goal of life. It's the goal of a rebellious world. The world doesn't want to hear that. The world doesn't want to hear that. We love stories of people who have overcome incredible odds. We love the rags to riches story, right? We love the idea of strong people accomplishing great things. But a wise person knows that nothing is worth anything. Nothing is worth anything if it's done without Jesus. This is what Proverbs says. Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in himself is foolish, but whoever lives wisely will be kept safe. This is not new. The ideal of self-sufficiency has been around a long time, but the world's MO is trust yourself. Trust yourself. The power is in you, right? Believe in yourself. You can do it, right? It's you. There have been many women sitting pretty on their wealth or their power or their accomplishments for thousands of years. Many women have, have sat there in that place and said to themselves, look what I have done. I don't need anybody. 
I did this. I'm powerful. I'm proud of it. And that is a sickening lie that they believe and is the opposite of the MO of the kingdom. Proverbs also tells us this in 1619. Better to be of a humble spirit, like poor in spirit, with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Our culture worships the proud. They worship the so-called winners of this world. God tells us it's better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than divide the spoil with the proud. Better, better to be with, your, with people who are lowly and who are humble in spirit and who have nothing than to be counting money up with your proud buddies. One of those things is good and one of them is bad. We have to start where Jesus starts, okay? Where Jesus starts here, he says we have to be poor in spirit. And to understand that, we have to understand that we are morally broken. We are sinners. We are powerless to please God in ourselves. We cannot do it in ourselves. We have to look into the perfect mirror of the law. We've got to stare into the perfect mirror of the law and see our own brokenness. Recognize our complete need for the saving grace of Jesus. Jesus uh, told this parable. This is in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. It says this. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Bad guy. Super bad guy. Sorry if you were for the IRS. This is a different time. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. He's giving his resume to God now. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Which one are you? Don't give me your Sunday school answer. Search your heart. Which one are you? Are you the Pharisee who thinks you've got it all together? You looking down on the person who lives next door or the person in the seat next to you? Be honest with yourself. You think you're doing just fine? You think you're doing it yourself? Or are you like the tax collector who would not even believe that he, that he ought to look to heaven because he was so broken in his spirit, so humble in his spirit, and he's beating himself and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Are you crying out like that? Is that your heart? Is that where you are? I need your mercy. I'm nothing in myself. Or are you saying, yeah. fast twice a week? Go to church every Sunday, even help put chairs up? Are you looking at other people and saying, you know what, at least I'm not like that guy. That's what this Pharisee said. 
Thank you, you didn't make me like this sinner over here. You're going, you're coming home and you're going, did you see so-and-so today? I think he's been drinking again. She's so-and-so, I think she might be pregnant. She's not married, is she? Blah, 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 blah. What is that? That's you looking down on other people, finding you a tax collector that you can say you're better than. Or are you saying, God, thank you for my salvation. I am a sinner in need of a savior. Which one is your heart? When you wake up in the morning, which one is your heart? Do you need Jesus or do you got it today? Tell you need some help. Tell the tire gets flat. Of course, hey, got some money in the bank. Call the tow truck. I got that too. I'll come to you, Lord, when I need something. Or is it, Lord, I can't breathe without you. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. One of those is poor in spirit and one of them is not. I would rather be broken and lowly and poor and persecuted and recognize my need for my God and be blessed by my God than be rich and powerful and famous and lie to myself that I was self-sufficient. That's where you have to be. You have to hate it. You have to hate the pride of spirit. You have to hate it. You have to say, Lord, don't let me. There's this prayer that basically says, look, don't, don't make me so wealthy that I feel like I don't need you. And don't make me so poor that I go steal, right? Keep me where I'm always dependent on you. That should be our prayer. Keep me where I'm always dependent on you. Don't give me all the desires that come to me because some of them aren't good for me. Instead, give me what I need to always be dependent on you. And you know what that is sometimes? Sickness. Debt. A difficult child. Oh, I guess that's been, sounds like that's been given to many of you. The Lord has blessed you. Keeps you poor in spirit, doesn't it? When you have to, have to go to God, you're going to be poor in spirit. Try to ask God to make it so that you will be poor in spirit without him having to create that in you. He knows that's what's best for you. But you don't want to get to the point where the only way you'll do it is in the worst situation. But thank God he accepts even that. That's how much he loves you. Romans 3, 10 through 12. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Okay, she didn't get it the first time. None, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. And so what do we need? Well, we need Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace, You have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength, not self-sufficient, without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. Without strength and ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There are people who 
literally do not think they are sinners or who don't think it's that big of a deal or who can find a tax collector somewhere to point out and say, I'm not that bad. That is not poor in spirit. Poor in spirit is to say, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need you. I need you. I need thee every hour, every moment, every second. You've heard it said that God helps those who help themselves. That is not in the scriptures. The truth is, God helps those who recognize they need his help. You've got to have the right heart attitude. You've got to have the right heart attitude. Look at your own heart. Is it humble? Is it soft? Do you see your need for God? Do you feel your need for God? Do you recognize that you can't do anything on your own? Are you there? Or do you see others as weak and you as strong? Fasting twice a week. Are you wake up, waking up every day and saying, I have nothing without you, God. I'll go nowhere without you. I'll do nothing without you. Because you're my savior. You're my help in time of need. You're the one who I can put my trust in, not myself. Do you believe that without abiding in Jesus, you can do nothing? Or do you think you can pretty much do most things, right? It's like the Bart Simpson prayer. Thank you, God, for this food, but dad paid for most of it, so I'm not really sure what this is about, right? Well, thank you, God, for whatever, but I pretty much got it figured out. Pretty much can do it myself. Jesus tells us, blessed, approved of God are the poor in spirit. And the world tells us that the rich and the powerful and the famous and the strong are blessed. That means, that means one thing. You can have the approval of the world or you can have the approval of God, but they're very different. They're very different. You can have the applause of a broken and dying culture applaud you right into hell or you can have the kingdom of heaven now you and I cannot possibly cannot possibly hope to follow Christ in what's going to follow in the rest of the teachings he gives us in the scripture in the sermon on the mount we cannot possibly hope to follow them if we don't start here that's why he started here we got to start with poverty of spirit we got to start by emptying ourselves of our pride and letting him fill us, letting him bless us, and starting to live the kingdom of heaven now. Everything that follows requires you to be poor in spirit. Because if you are prideful in spirit, and if you think you've got it figured out, then you're going to push back as Jesus is turning your world upside down. You've got to be empty. You've got to say, have mercy on me, a sinner. You ever done something wrong? You hurt somebody, you messed up at work, you messed up with your wife or your husband, you messed up somehow, and all you want is just, if they just forgive you, you'll never do it, like you would do anything. Cut off my hands, you know, I'll do anything to be right with you again. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to where we are with God prior to the grace of Christ. And we need to be like that every day. God, you have done you have done what I can't even imagine. You have saved me. 
You have come to earth, God, born as a human being, walking earth as a man, and dying for me because I am a wretched sinner. I love you. You're it. That's poverty of spirit. I'm nothing. He's everything. I'm only anything through him. And in him, I'm a lot. Poverty of spirit is not, just so that we're really clear, poverty of spirit is not thinking that you're worthless. You have more worth than you could possibly know. Jesus died for you. Poverty of spirit is understanding that your worth is in and through him. Only in and through him. It's not your talent. It's not your righteousness. Your righteousness is filthy rags. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. What a powerful lesson. I hope that, like me, Pastor David's teaching today has made you think and consider where you're at with all of this. And if you need help getting some priorities straight or just have questions about all this, call us at 360-885-9000 or use email info at axchurchnw.org. We'd love to help you find the peace and hope that can only come as we live flat out for Jesus. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.